This is a podcast for the living. And we're your hosts, Graham and Saul. And we're here to share with you all kinds of creative, educational, inspirational, straight from the heart, content that could change your life. What? Okay. Podcast. We are the Chabot Bros, and this is going to be podcast episode two. Number dose. Number dose, correct? Don't, we can't look over here. We put a screen here now. and Because um, we're professionals. We're professionals, and the screen is very distracting. Well, it's yourself. because we're professionals... We're not going to look over there. So if a person th- thinking, if you're thinking, you have to think up here somewhere. Hmm. I'm, I'm not worried about it at all. Hmm. This is a you thing. It's a me problem? <laughs> yeah. It's not really even a problem. It's more just like, okay. It's, all a, right. it's a new thing. Yes. Yeah. So, so are you going to start our timer? Yeah, I'm going to do it. So uh, if you haven't watched the first episode, basically we use a phone timer to make sure that our episodes are around 20 minutes because just to start with later on we might do longer episodes but for now we're trying to keep it concise Tight. pithy Tight. pithy so we decide we tried this time to actually make uh, some choices ahead of time and we want to talk uh, about addiction because we have both experienced uh, quite a chunk of it in our lives and we're both coming through I mean, personally, I'm on the end of about 10 years of uh, chronically smoking weed on and off, Um, mostly on, (laughs) more than off. Good point. Good honesty. More on than off. Well, let me me just start by saying that I think we live in a society where addiction is kind of the norm. It's commonplace everywhere. It's commonplace, yeah. yeah. We're all we're all like addicted to something, whether it's like coffee, social media, social yeah, media, here we are drinking our other crack. So there's all these levels of addiction, and sometimes you don't even know. And I think often you don't often, know. And I think uh, weed is one of those because mm. I was also I had my own addictions with the weeds, and before mm. weed, it was video games for well, me. The weed the weed thing is so subtle, like it's yes. so. Um, it's not, it's not as a problem. It's not, it's not spoken of really as a problem in society. Like if you're, if you're addicted to heroin, people will let you know that it's probably not a good thing. Yeah. But you can be addicted to weed and, and no one will say anything about it the whole fucking time. Yeah. They'll keep their mouths shut. They may be judging you, but... They're probably not going to have an intervention. No, yeah, per exactly. se, right? Yeah, you're and, st- you'll still be functional. And I think video games are the same. Like that's some. I think they're both the silent killers yeah. of addictions. Yeah, totally. And yeah, like when I played video games, for me it was an escape. But for me, uh, life was monotone. I was void, void of color because, like, overstimulate, overstimulation. It's something that happens really quick when you game all the time. So all of a sudden, for me, the game was so satisfying. It rewarded me in all the ways that you would want to be rewarded. Mm-hmm. So then life could not keep up. Yeah. Life could never reward me in those ways. Yeah, it satisfies. Like, uh, well, A, the endorphin release that you're getting from playing video games and the way they design these things nowadays. Yeah. You'll get games where, like, nearly... I mean, most... 
game companies that I've read about have behavioral psychologists on staff the same way that, you know, um, a social media company or or a casino will have on staff as well because, I mean, it makes sense for them to keep players in the game. The more engaged we are in the game, the more we want to play, the more reward we get from it, the more we go back to it over and over again. Yeah. Um, it's definitely rooted in psychology. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's just take a step back here, and let's let's just go through a bit of your story. Sure. Yeah. Sure. We'll go through yours too. Of course. Um, okay. Well. You weren't always. You weren't always smoking the. No. No, I wasn't. The, I wasn't. Blood. Um, and I know we're gonna plan to do like a more in depth of this. So I won't go too too deep on it. But yeah. what I will say is. Uh, so I spent most of my childhood not smoking weed, being very active, very engaged, very out in the world. I just had a quick thought I want to throw yeah, yeah, in. It's, it's to anybody who currently smokes weed, like we're not... It's not downplaying it. We're not putting yeah. it down. Like it's not, it's just another perspective is all. Yes, this is our own personal experience with it. And we both know plenty of people who are smoking and aren't acting how we acted when we smoke. For sure, So definitely. Every, it's person to person. It's person to person. So this is our experience with marijuana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, when I was, uh, I guess, 19 years old, um, I began experiencing anxiety for the first time in my life, um, which is, I think, abnormal. I think most people experience it younger. But I was pretty much fearless up until that point. Then. Um, I didn't really know how to deal with it, so as a coping mechanism, I started smoking weed, um, which, it, in hindsight, maybe not the best decision, but it was what I, I needed at the time. And so I began smoking lightly, and then video games came into the picture, started smoking a little more heavily uh, with a friend of mine who was quite invested in the weed smoking world as well. Um, and then it kind of detracted me from the things that I was focused on. Um, in my intuition, I knew all along, I, I, there was this voice internally that was constantly telling me, hey, you know, you should stop, you should stop, you should stop, stop while you're ahead. I, I tried on, I mean, over 10 years of smoking, I, I probably tried 30 different times to stop smoking. Sometimes I would make it a month, sometimes I'd make it a day. Sometimes what you know, whatever it was, the most I think I ever made it was uh, three months, and then all it took was caving one fucking time. And the moment that I caved that one time, it was done because the next day, the justification that was in my mind was, oh well, you smoked yesterday, right? So what's the harm in smoking one more time today? And then you'll just start, you'll start up again, and like you'll. You won't be smoking after that, so no problem. And then the same thing repeats, repeats, repeats. And that's the crazy thing about addiction is that when you give in that one time, that's why you have in Alcohols Anonymous, they say, you know, take it one day at a time, one day at a time. You only have to beat the day that you're in. Um, anyway, so yeah, it was, it was 10 years of self-medication and um, we like to it. call it a soother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
a soother because it is <laughs> it solves things in the same way that a fucking soother does for well, a it's baby. Like, it's it's like your yeah, it's like your tantruming or like these struggles come up in life mm. and it's, instead of like facing dealing. them, dealing with them, you're yeah. just like um I'm just going to forget they ever exist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's how it worked for us anyway, because mine was, yeah, very similar. Yeah. Yeah, so tell us a bit about yours, your background with it. I guess, I guess to go back to the video game thing for me is I knew right away when I was young, I was unhappy, simply because I looked around at the world around me and like none of the adults I knew were necessarily happy. Like our parents were in the grind mm -hmm. and the teachers at school, I looked at them and it's like, well, you're not happy. So I guess I was an emotionally intelligent child and that totally sucked because I just became depressed based on that. And I had no examples of happiness to look forward to. So all of my hope was sucked up. So then I just like didn't care. I just disappeared and I wanted to just like tap out of this reality and not be a part of it. And video games just provided that escape so we started playing World of Warcraft when I was in elementary school and all of a sudden World of Warcraft took the priority over school. I remember there was days, like specifically in grade 8, I would pretend to be sick a lot and stay home and, and game all day long and those were my favorite days. Not being around people, not blah blah blah, yeah. just literally gaming and so I didn't have the motivation to eat healthy, I didn't have the motivation to do anything. Because the, the game was satisfying. Was, everything. Was giving you everything that you perceived that you needed. All encompassing. I was so numb. I would stay up past midnight every night, wake up, go to school, and all I would do at school is wait to get home to play the game again. That's really all my life was. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say like I really was living in a monotone world. I had no emotions. I had no attachments. When mom would be like, we're having a movie night, or like, let's, we're going to a family. I dreaded that so much. If we had to go to like a family event, the whole time, my addiction was just pulling me back to the game, so I couldn't focus, I had anxiety because I couldn't hear what people were saying, because it, it couldn't, yeah, it couldn't satisfy me enough. And yeah, it was just so many years of that, that that's who I grew up being. And so after high school, just to fast forward through this and basically say that, yeah, monotone, monotone, no color in life, no whatever, didn't feel like much creativity, I didn't give a shit about anything. I actually remember in grade 12 basketball, Jason Tran, who Graham played basketball with, took me aside, and I, no one had ever really spoke to me this much, so props to you, Jason, but he was just like, I was on the senior team, sorry, this was in grade 11, I was on the senior team, mm. or, no backtracking. Grade 10, I got invited to the senior team. Yeah. And uh, he just took me aside and he's like, Matt, it just doesn't seem like you take anything in life seriously. It just doesn't, t like, when yeah. are you, you going to take this seriously? Good on him. Yeah. And it definitely made me think. And I was just like, huh. My defense mechanism was acting like I didn't give a fuck, was not giving a fuck. Because yeah. if I cared, then I could get hurt, blah, blah, blah. So I just didn't give a fuck, played these games. And then moved to Vancouver, was in a relationship where she didn't like weed smoking. Mm. And so I had to be all sneaky about it when I did smoke weed with you yeah. guys. And then when she, when she broke up with me, I was like, oh, I can just smoke whenever. So went right into the smoking all day, every day thing. And then that video games 
video game addiction and weed addiction together, oh my god. Brutal. Dest- I know. Brutal. Destructive. Brutal. And then you throw junk food in there, and it was just like yeah. a blur of time yeah. where I was so unhappy, and basically... Yeah. But yet, you, f- you know, while you're in the game, while you're in the... The, the moment, it feels so good, so satisfying. Yes. You wake up the next day and you feel like, what the fuck? And then the, the thoughts start to take over and, yes. and, and let you know how <laughs> miserable you actually feel. 100%. What, what pulled me out personally, it was my dream for music. It mm. was always lingering there in the background. Mm. And when we were like at that house gaming all the time, and never getting anything done musically and not making that progress, I started to go crazy. And I started to like, I don't know, it started to pull me out because it was like, I know what I'm capable of. And here I am, 20 some years old, not living my capabilities and totally. instead living addiction. Yeah, knowing that you have all this ability inside of you and yet the, yet you're giving into your addiction, yet you're just doing. You know, if if you had a reason, if you were wounded or if you had a shitty childhood in which you deserved, like you needed to use it as a tool, it would have been an easier justification for yourself. But when you have been given what you wanted and you've been given the support and you've had the opportunity and then you still end up self-sabotaging, it feels a lot, It, I mean, I'm sure it feels shitty on either side, but it felt, it feels really shitty in that spot. To be in that kind of place. Part of the journey. Mm-hmm. That's mm. all I'll say is on this side of it, part of the journey. For sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah on this side of it. Um, yeah, so to, to bring it back to where we are now, um, we both stopped smoking weed around the same time. Um, and, okay, some interesting points. Um, the first week, the first week is certainly the most difficult. And then after that, it's almost not even a thing. And it seems that way with any addiction. Mm-hmm. It seems like with the video games, it's a week and then it's gone. You don't even need it anymore. Sometimes even less, a couple of days, you don't even really need it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that it changes things, it doesn't fix anything at all. And that's the weirdest part about it. <laughs> it's like you think that you have solved all your problems because you remove one, and then you realize that what you've actually done is gone and created a gone. You've been using it as a tool to push your problems down, and now you've moved it out of the way, and now all your problems are starting to bubble up to the surface. Yeah, because when you're in it, like for me, for five years plus, I was like, if I quit weed, then I will, you know, it's like it solves, and then I'll be able to be who I'm trying to be, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, like it's easier to be that person now, or it's easier to stay consistent, but it's exactly what you said. Like, it's just like as soon as you quit, all of a sudden you can now begin. Yeah. It's like before you couldn't get into anything. But now you can actually begin the process, begin the journey. So yeah. it's just a starting place. Mm-hmm. It's not like a fix, fix anything. No. And you're fixing one problem so that you can Which, reveal the other problems. Dude, that's like 100% why it's so hard. That's why when I had tried to stop so many times, it was like you get to a certain point 
and it doesn't feel, it feels worse. You feel worse. After you get past mm -hmm. the addiction, then you're like, well, now I feel really shitty because now I can really see all the fucking things that I've been neglecting or avoiding in my life. But once you get, once you get past that and you start being able to go, okay, but now I can actually deal with the shit because I can see it. That's where it becomes incredibly empowering. Then you start to make progress. Yeah. And you start to make daily progress. Yeah. Because you're consistent and you see a problem and you start to know how to deal with your problems and mm -hmm. face them. And it's the consistency thing. Like, yeah, with weed, I could, I could never be consistent. With video yeah. games, I could never be consistent. But now I do feel consistent to, to myself mm -hmm. and who I am. Yeah. I feel... True to yourself. Yeah. I feel stronger as yeah. who I am. And I feel like every day I'm growing... Like. I think I was definitely growing when I was smoking, but now I feel like, oh my God, I am growing so much every single day, unlimitedly yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. And then I can actually keep track of that progress a little bit better. Mm -hmm. A little bit better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's kind of our journey with addiction. Mm. Summarized, quick summarized mm -hmm. version of it. Mm -hmm. And I think we're both a lot happier, a lot better to be around too definitely definitely yeah it, it it does things to you that you that you wouldn't even notice is the most um interesting part you don't even know when you're in the addiction there's no way to see what you would be like on the outside of addiction mm -hmm. kind of like we what we talked about in the first episode the um you don't know what you don't know you can't see something that you haven't been. You can't see the self that you could be when you're away from the thing that's pulling you. Because the way that the, the substance or whatever the addiction is, you know, like we said, whatever the fuck it is, doesn't matter. The way that that satiates you, it fills this void, it fills this part of you that you really should be filling in more healthy ways or yeah. other alternative ways. Oh, and that's a great point because when it's like almost when you're when you're smoking weed every single day, I shouldn't say almost, I should say 100%. Every single day. Yeah. When you're smoking and weed. What, or whatever addiction. Whatever, right? yeah. Whatever, whatever you, it could be Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> it, could be, yeah. it could be Netflix. Yeah, and basically you get to a certain point of the night or the day and then you go to your vice. Mm -hmm. So like it, it hit a certain, I'd do, maybe I'd be productive a little bit, but I'd hit a certain point and then it'd be like, Kate, hey, I'm tired, now it's time to smoke. And then I go into like totally unproductive point or whatever, but basically instead what happens is when you're not filling with a void of a vice, you hit that point of resistance and instead of like filling it with something, you literally just sit there in that discomfort or that boredom and you're like, oh, now I, now I gotta go for a walk. Mm -hmm. Now I gotta meditate. Now I gotta read a book. Mm -hmm. it, it pushes you more to healthy things. Obviously, there's other vices. Like for me, I watch a lot of YouTube. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm getting a lot of information. I owe my current career to that. One minute. Yeah. I owe my current career to my addiction to YouTube, because it's addiction to taking yeah. in information. And and you know. It's, it's very challenging because life is but a series of addictions. And you could argue if you, you know, if you looked at like, or talked to or read any of the theories of yogis of the past, you'd see that the most well-renowned people out there 
are those who have overcome addiction at its fullest. And so literally there are, there are um, honored gurus of in India's past who like have bypassed the need to eat. They only eat from autobiography of a yogi, autobiography of a yogi. Um, the, in one of the last chapters, they're talking about this woman who trained herself. She used a yogic technique to overcome all food and she just eats, she absorbs light frequencies and that's how she's surviving. She's lived 50 years off of that um, and been studied by science, Indian scientists. Um, and so there's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of overcoming addiction that needs to happen in this world, which is a very challenging thing. There's a um, lot of things we do, we think we need, but we don't actually need. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of times if you just sit, timer's about to go off here. Mm -hmm. Are we going to let it? Yeah, we're going to, we're going to let it and then we're going to wrap, repeat okay. wrap. Ready? Yep. Oh, you got to let it ding, ding, ding. Oh, whoa. <gasps> Timer. <sighs> um, yeah. Stop. Oh, no. I think that's a great thing to sort of wrap on is that to summarize all of this, when it comes to addiction, there's so little that we actually need. And if you're able mm. to build the skill of sitting in silence, you can actually do that for like, I mean, this is obviously extreme, but you can just do that for eight hours a day. But you can, yeah. Which, to, be, yeah. to be more realistic with it, like what I'm using is when I reach those points of tension, which we all have in this modern day, you get tired, you feel some pain in your body or whatever. Something's taking your focus. You, can, you can't keep working or you maybe have anxiety, whatever it is that's creating this point of tension which you want to then go to some sort of vice. If instead you're using that almost as like a, a training bell, every time you get the intention of like, oh, I want to look at my phone to look at social media or, oh, I want to go on YouTube. Instead, use that as like, like how they train the Pavlov's dog or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like a bell. It's like ding, 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 ding. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, now I must take five minutes and go into my heart or take one minute and go into my heart. Even if it's like the smallest amount, even if you're like, I really want to open up Instagram, but instead for a minute mm -hmm. or 30 seconds, I'm going to put my phone down and just sit and do nothing. Yeah. And if you just do that, eventually you start to train yourself to take a moment for yourself because half the time we're just distract. We're just going into other people. We're going into distraction. We want to look at somebody else. We want to experience somebody else's thing, but then we're taking away our unique abilities and we're taking away the fact that we have so much to learn from ourselves and we ignore that. You could just only learn from yourself for 30 years and not even be close to what you can learn. You don't actually need to learn from anybody else. You don't need to distract. You don't need to watch Netflix. You got Netflix right mm -hmm. here in your heart, in your soul. Close your eyes. Enjoy. Mm -hmm. Eat some popcorn or don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the only other thing to say then is that, you know, um, we, we will, we will not like no one is going to overcome all addiction, but there is certainly a large amount that we can overcome. And especially in a day and age where 
literally everything. Like if you have, if you still have notifications on your phone, fucking silence all of that as like for the love of baby Jesus, you know, like silence it because it makes such a difference and you'll, you'll notice it within a week. You'll notice right away how not having those notifications, not feeling like you need to respond as soon as you get a message, it changes you. And if you think you're not getting an endorphin rush from those notifications, you're kidding yourself. Um, I've even thought about something like uh, eliminating, uh, oh no, I got so distracted by this text. See, it just happened right literally, in front of you. I just that was a, a good moment. That was a great, was a I good. literally lost my train of thought because I got, it was, it was silent too, but I saw the light. No, I'll do that all the time. I see in meetings when yeah. my and phone will go off pulled. and I see the person that I'm in a meeting with, I see them even look at my phone because it's yeah. not about anyone's no. phone. It's just like an instinct thing. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think that's a great answer. That's awesome. <laughs> that's that's awesome. awesome. But yeah, silence that shit. But also probably just fucking turn them off entirely would be another good idea. Here and there, yeah. Going, going silent tech-wise is important. Yeah. Sweet. Episode two. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed, make sure to subscribe and like and yeah. do all that stuff. All that stuff. We're just trying to build this up. We enjoy doing this and we want to keep doing it. So thanks. Oh my God. Now we're getting Peace. buzzed. We're buzzed, getting buzzed. buzzed everywhere. All good. Okay. Sweet. Peace. Peace.